Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Simon Kay, CEO of Basinite Inc. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Pretty good. So Simon, for those that aren't familiar with Basinite, can you give us a quick overview of the company? Absolutely. Very happy to. So welcome everybody. Basinite is a new manufacturer of composite materials intended for reinforcement of concrete for the construction industry. Uh, composites are fairly new in construction and the materials that we use are novel in that they use basalt fiber which is an alternative to say glass fiber or carbon fiber which offer the best value proposition in the marketplace. They're nearly as strong as carbon fiber, significantly stronger than um, glass fiber um, but compared with steel, which is the, the typical material that's used, we're two and a half times as strong in linear strength, and we're only about a quarter of the weight. So the material's very advanced from that standpoint. Secondarily, it doesn't rust. And for those of you that are familiar with the problems of rust in infrastructure and in concrete reinforcement, you'll aware how, be aware of how big a problem that is, um, probably highlighted by the unfortunate incident in Miami at Surfside with the collapse uh, of the building there, which primarily was due to corrosion of the structural elements. Um, our business, which is new, is intended to address that by offering a material that does not rust um, and can last a lot longer in structures. Okay. Now, do you expect your product to be disruptive or to just be able to tackle certain niches? We're going to be disruptive, and we are deliberately setting out to do that. We're going into areas where steel has been established for many years, and there has been no uh, assault on their market share. There really has been no product that can compete with them, either on price or on strength of other properties. We have the first product that can do that. And so we're going to go and try to make inroads into the very, very large market for, for reinforcement using steel by replacing it with basalt fiber products. So you have a pretty big challenge. You know, the incumbent has been in there for, for many, many years. Um, do you have any outside body or, or evidence that, that um, backs up your claims? Yes. Um, our, the, our products are tested by independent laboratories. Um, the world-leading authority on composites for construction is the University of Sherbrooke outside Montreal. Uh, we have tested our products there for strength and we have best-in-class results materially stronger than other products that are out there with the possible exception of carbon fiber but carbon fiber is about 10 times the price of our material. It's so expensive that it cannot be and has not been taken up in construction. Um, so we do have this independent lab data. We've also tested at the University of Miami down here in Florida, and uh, we've got stellar results there also. Um, beyond that, Jeff, we're also working now with the Florida Department of Transport and other agencies to get new specifications written around our product where we can use it to replace steel in multiple applications that currently it's not available. Okay. Now, how about uh, supply chain, either to traditional rebar or to your product? Are, are there any issues there for being able to scale? Yes. Well, first of all, um, in our case, no. Uh, we have multiple suppliers of the raw fiber, 
Um, in fact, we have domestic and international suppliers, and we have strategic partnerships in place that are going to ensure that we can uh, easily meet our expansion plan. So we're not concerned about that. The chemicals that we use, while the, the combination is sort of our secret sauce, they're not difficult to obtain, they're, they're in abundant supply. So we don't really see any supply chain constraints over the next few years and you know of our planned rapid growth. Now that isn't true to our competition. Um, for those of you that are unaware, the prices of steel have shot up over the recent months, um, more than 300% in some cases and even, and even more than that. And so where we were previously a little more expensive than steel, we're now priced competitive with steel, we're, and, but we, are, we are offer a whole load more benefits. The issue why it's taking time to get established is that the product requires some new engineering. They can't just replace steel products with our products. They have to re-engineer the design for the reinforcement, and obviously that has to happen up front, and that takes time to feed through the process uh, until we get orders. But that's been underway since the beginning of this year. We've shipped to date almost $650,000 worth of material, and um, our order book is filling up, and, it, and you know we're, we're looking at a very bright future. Our big challenge is going to be capacity for moving forward at this point. Okay. And, and how about competition? Is it just rebar itself, or do you have other synthetic rebars that are competitive? So we have um, three primary product lines, first of all. One is the rebar. Uh, another is an alternative to welded wire mesh, which we call Bassa Mesh. We also have Bassa Mix, which is chopped fiber that's used in ultra-high-performance concrete. Those are the three basic products we have. We have some secondary products that we're working on, uh, that are in development for repairs of concrete structures that they'll be available next year. So that's basically um, the situation at Bassanite. Now competitively, there are people making glass fiber. There are some of the glass fiber manufacturers that can, if they're asked, run basalt fiber. But their products are inferior to ours, uh, both in strength and in quality and um, you know, there isn't really any other competition as it stands right now, certainly not in the United States. There are no other manufacturers dedicated to producing these products with basalt fiber, which we believe is the next big thing. Simon, is this IP protected in any way? Yes, we have a patent uh, pending on the, on the rebar design. Uh, we have also developed some equipment to manufacture it that, that's brand new, and uh, we're applying for a patent on that also. And we have a lot of uh, secret source information that's kept as trade secrets. It's very tightly held. Okay. And then how big is your addressable market? Um, in the case of steel, it's in the tens of billions. Um, in the case of the FRP market, which is fiber reinforced polymers that are equivalents to us, that's a small marketplace of about a quarter of a billion currently. And it's mostly dominated by glass fiber, which has specific applications there. And uh, like I said, none of the folks in that field have tried to go after steel because they don't really have anything that's competitive. We now do. So our game plan um, is to grow the company as quickly as possible, ideally within the next four years, to get north of a half a billion in sales. And we believe that's a very easy um, step to reach. 
especially considering some other factors that I should bring into this. Uh, number one, of course, you've got the federal government looking at an infrastructure bill and focusing underneath that infrastructure bill is some elements such as um, carbon footprint, green products, sustainability. Um, our product here only requires about 10% the carbon output of steel when compared from mining it to putting it in, into a building. So it's a way greener product. And the material itself, basalt, is the most abundant rock on the face of the planet. Very sustainable. Um, and it's designed also to last at least three times, maybe five times, the length of the steel competition. Okay. So all in all, this is a, you know, a, a good value proposition and of interest to everybody at this point. And, and you started uh, selling when? We started the sales process only in January of this year, and the sales process basically means we were starting to try to get people to specify the product into the new construction. <clears throat> because, as I said, very difficult to break into the existing steel market uh, by uh, a straight replacement because they have to redo the engineering. So we've been focused on new construction where <clears throat> we can get the end customer ultimately and the design engineering firms to specify the product. That sales cycle is roughly six to nine months in length at a minimum. It's been extended a little bit in many cases because of COVID, but we're now starting to see um, tremendous increase and in starting to see our products go out the door. So we've essentially spent the last nine months or so um, assembling an inventory. We now have about 1.25 million linear feet of mixed bar sizes uh, available in, in inventory. And as I said, we've uh, started shipping as well. So... so it's a designed-in product, and then if it's designed in, they get the product from you. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They can get it. There are alternative suppliers, so let me let me back up and point that out. Uh, there are suppliers that manufacture this product in Russia. There are manufacturers in China. Worldwide total is less than 50. Um, in China and Russia, they they are way more ahead of us. They they've started to use the product extensively over there. However, their products are built to meet a standard called ACI 440, which is a standard for all fiber-reinforced polymer bar. Uh, there is a separate standard that was established way before called ACI 318, which is the steel standard, and the strength properties are materially different. What we're now working on with ASTM and with the state and local government agencies is to try to develop a standard that's higher than that of ACI 440, which would approach the standard of steel strength-wise, uh, which our materials can, um, so that we can replace steel in a lot of these applications. And that process is well underway. We have testing going to happen next month, beginning next month, uh, under the auspices of the Florida DOT uh, in two different independent laboratories working towards that goal. And the Chinese and Russian competitors, are, are they licensees or are they no, selling the no. exact same thing or what? Yeah, they're existing suppliers that started out building fiberglass that can build basalt fiber, um, rebar and other products. Just that we've, what we've seen and we've looked at a lot of this, um, their quality is way inferior. Their strength properties are closer to that of fiberglass than they are of ours. And 
the standards to which they manufacture aren't as stringent as the ones that we've set on bassanite. Bassanite has picked up on the aerospace industry, which is a little bit of my background, by the way, and we um, have set up a quality control system and a production standard system with process controls mirrored on composite manufacturing in the aerospace industry. That sets us apart from everybody else. Batch to batch, we can be assured that the products are equivalent and we keep data records and traceability records on the materials in the cloud pretty much indefinitely. Um, we have seen the competitor's product and batch to batch they are different. They, um, they might meet the standard but nowhere near what we're capable of and nowhere near the consistency which is why I believe that those materials have not previously taken off here. Okay. So we're addressing that issue. And, and what marketing channels are you using? Just direct? No. Actually, direct is the smallest channel we have. Uh, we are signing up distributors and agents, and we go through building supply chain distributors. Uh, we're working with several of them. We're in negotiations on some major ones, one of which has at least 500 um, distribution sites around the United States. Uh, we also have some international distributors. We've signed players in Costa Rica and in Panama. We're working on Canada right now. And um, typically the products are sold as rebar is through the distribution channel. They also have agents and reps out there, you know, knocking on their customer base. So they're building a lot of that for us. But we are doing some direct sales, and we do have some very large um, requests for proposals from some very big construction projects, one with 1,800 condos, uh, one with over 1,800 homes and 420 townhouses. Uh, these are domestic projects. They want to buy direct, and they'll, they'll inventory directly. Um, our issue with those is being able to supply the demand, which is why we're in this big expansion mode currently. Uh, we've just ordered some new equipment, and we're going to be doing some additional fundraising to order some more, because the, the quantity of large projects that we have in the RFP log is kind of scary. It's, it's a very big number. And in order to be able to address those, we have to assure the customers that we, we can meet their demands on schedule. And so uh, we've got to increase the capacity. And, and who are your customers, you know, first reference customers, either by name or generically? So um, the building supply houses are, are the first ones. Uh, I hesitate to mention the names at this point because not everything's under contract. Um, but we do have... Uh, uh, ABC Building Supply has placed some orders here. They're, they're a large distributor, very large distributor nationally. We also have some projects. Uh, there's a project that we're working in Hawaii. There's a project we're working down here in um, Homestead, Florida. Uh, we also are going to be doing a big seawall project uh, for the Venetian Isles uh, rebuild, which is in Miami. Um, we also have a partnership arrangement in place with a company called STS. Um, they make um, wall panels, retaining wall panels, in predominantly for um, sea walls. They're one of the largest worldwide. Companies Schema Precast Systems. Uh, they have a patented design uh, which was originally based using steel reinforcement. Uh, the engineer that uh, developed this lives in Fiji 
and we shipped a whole bunch of material earlier this year over there and they've tested it in their walls we're now approved to replace steel in all their wall systems and that's a global uh, company they market their product pretty much USA Canada Mexico Central America Caribbean South America the UK Italy Australia Fiji and Indonesia they're kind of everywhere those are their main markets um, this is a big organization and a big company and they want to switch exclusively to us because obviously with seawalls that's a highly corrosive environment and uh, our product fares much better from a longevity standpoint okay so how are you creating awareness how are these people finding you so first of all um, the company's been around developing this customer base since the beginning of 2019 um, the, the setup for the factory didn't happen until it did actually conclude until the first quarter of 2020 but during that time period we did have direct activity uh, from first of all our COO who has 30 years experience and knows a lot of people in the business uh, we've had the website up and just some direct communications using agents and reps to get the word out and um, it's starting to mushroom uh, that's the best way I can describe it okay. um, especially because of the interest that's been generated in these products things like Surfside there's been other areas of uh, of problems related to steel reinforcement failing and uh, you know causing problems from the product the, the problem is primarily spalling spalling is where the steel reinforcement inside the concrete uh, rusts it expands and then it cracks which lets more water in and eventually it fails and the concrete and the steel separate and things fall apart you can see it everywhere you look especially on the coasts but it happens on bridge decks, it happens uh, road surfaces, it happens sea walls, pretty much everywhere we have concrete with steel reinforcement, eventually it's going to spoil. Okay. And you're manufacturing this all yourself, or do you have some tolling or, or outsourced people as well manufacturing for you? Uh, yeah, we're, we, we manufacture ourselves currently exclusively in our facility in Pompano Beach. Uh, over the next few years, we have planned... Uh, to expand, we're looking at an additional five facilities uh, down the road here. Next one, the first one we hope to do next year, uh, we're looking at locating those strategically near large markets. Um, we're also looking at, um, you know, government interest in, in those locations, um, possible state support for pl putting plants on city supports for putting plants in to, you know, high-density areas. Uh, in addition to that, we've also developed a licensing program, and we are working with several potential licensees to operate overseas plants um, in places as far flung as Saudi Arabia, India, Australia, Canada. There's multiple uh, activity and interest going on in, in uh, worldwide distribution of the product. Very good. In, in terms of scaling, what capacity are you at? And also, uh, how much money and time does it take to build a new facility? So, um, today's plant capacity, the original plant was built really as a pilot line. Um, we have a capacity of about uh, 6 or 7 million linear feet per shift. We can run two shifts here uh, today. Um, by the time we add the new, the new pieces of equipment, we have five on order, and we have five more. Uh, that we're planning to water right behind those, that will lift us 
um, up to the up towards 70 or 80 million linear feet on a two shift basis. So seven or eight times capacity that we have today. Um, that is by no means enough to satisfy the level of demand that we're seeing, the level of interest that we're seeing just domestically. So each new plant um, is, uh, is approximately a 12 to 15 million dollar investment uh, to produce roughly 100 million linear feet in capacity, um, about 70 million in sales on a two shift basis. Okay. And then right now the revenue mount model is, is an outright sale, but you may have a mix with licensing in there. What yes. obviously license is uh, you know high high percentage margin. What what margin are you working off of now? Um, so right now because we're in we're in startup mode and we're still scaling, um, we're trying to get to break even, <laughs> to be honest with you. Once the plant is established, we'll go cash flow positive. Um, in the second quarter of next year is the current plan and expectation. And when we add the additional machines, uh, we'll be looking at an operating income margin in the range of close to 20%. When we max out the facility and we have all the capacity of everything going, uh, we expect to be north of 25%. Okay. And so what's the biggest gating factor inhibiting faster growth? Are you chasing sales or chasing manufacturing or what? No, our biggest problem has been capitalization. To be completely honest with you, the company's been undercapitalized. I've been here only just over a year. We've been struggling with that problem for a while. Um, the company is, um, you know, relatively new, but its parent, Bassanite Inc., has been around for quite a while um, and has switched businesses. So it's been a little bit of a challenge for us to get everybody refocused on what we're doing uh, and to raise funding. That, that situation has now changed. Uh, we were successful in a recent fundraise. We're planning additional fundraising and potentially an uplist um, within the next 12 months. Okay. And so what are some of the key drivers that, that drives your business? Um, fundamentally, well, first of all, on the sales front end of the business, we're dealing with some large customers and some large distributors. So they, they want to see stable production. So they want to know the company's stable financially, and so a good balance sheet has been one of the critical elements. And beyond that, that, that we've got the capacity to supply them. Okay? Um, so those, those two things have really been sort of driving the force of getting us going. Beyond that, we spent a good deal of time researching and developing the product and then researching and developing the equipment to manufacture it because we couldn't find anything in the market that was suitable for what we wanted to do. Those two hurdles have been crossed, so now the question is just a matter of appropriate capitalization to get the equipment in place, and as I've said, that's underway, um, and we're off to the races. At this point of time, you know, there aren't many unknowns because we've spent so much time and effort and energy focused on the product and, and, and the development of the manufacturing processes. So now it's a question of just executing, and, and we're just starting on that path. Okay. And as we look out over the next 12 months, what are some of the events or catalysts that we should watch for? Um, one of the big ones, I think, is going to be the infrastructure bill and how much of that is focused towards uh, green products and sustainable products and getting away from the issues involved 
with steel. Obviously, the steel companies uh, are, are big and influential, and that presents a challenge to us down the road. Maybe not initially, because we're only nibbling on the heels, so to speak, even at the numbers I'm talking about here. But um, we, we will represent a potential threat to them if the construction industry starts to, to switch and you know go, go towards more com use of more composites and away from the use of steel where they can. So um, what I think we need to watch for is I think first of all there's going to be more incidents similar to Surfside. I hope to God there isn't any more failures but I do think we're going to see that inspections of buildings are going to ramp up and they're going to find more buildings in greater need of repair than people had anticipated so that's going to generate a lot of interest in fact um, of of how to avoid these kinds of problems moving forward so i think new construction is going to switch more quickly uh, over the composites to avoid these kinds of problems and i think there's going to be lots of potential for us also in repairs where we can uh, repair buildings using the new materials so to make the repairs last longer uh, obviously, I think also the focus on green and the reduction in carbon emissions, which everybody is highly aware of with regards to, to you know, global climate change. Um, having a product that is you know, 10% or less than the steel equivalent is going to be a material um, benefit and a material interest, I think, to the marketplace. So I think what we're going to see is a fairly aggressively um, motivated transition away from some of these traditional materials towards some of these more advanced, um, better property materials that offer all these benefits. Once that happens, that's just going to light the candle for us, basically. It's going to mushroom, as I was describing previously. Okay. So is, is there anything um, I didn't ask or anything you want to leave us with before we go? Um, not that I can think of. I, um, I think we covered the basis pretty much. Um, we're, we're in an exciting position. And just to summarize, I would say uh, the company is the right product in the right place at the right time. So we're, we, you know, we're ready to take off. We do have some challenges. We've got uh, still to get um, support from the government uh, and the agencies, which is underway, admittedly. Um, for the use of these products more extensively. Uh, we've got education to the marketplace that has to happen that, so that people understand what's available to them today. Uh, steel's been out there for so long. You know, engineers will typically just reach in the drawer. They've got a design for something. It's been there. You know, that no effort to, 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 to take that out of the drawer and build something using traditional materials. And now they're actually going to have to do a little bit more work, but there's a benefit to that. So we've, we've got that education process to deal with. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of pressure. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure from the market towards making these buildings more sustainable, you know, lasting longer, costing less over time, and safer. And with all of that in mind, I think uh, we should be off to the races. Great. Well, Simon, thanks so much for sharing the Basinite story. Jeff, thank you for the opportunity. It's good to talk to you.